Welcome to episode 166 of Coffee Pods and Wads. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness focused drink to support your performance. And the Hybrid Academy are also proud, uh, I assume, proud sponsors of the show. And they're running a massive Black Friday sale starting at midnight on Friday, and it's running until Monday, and you can get up to 50% off. I honestly just can't explain enough how high the quality is. Um, just go and find out for yourself the hybridacademy.store for more details on that and if you're shopping outside of the Black Friday sale you can use the code pod ten, pods10 uh, for a discount on the site that's pods10 um, the show is also sponsored by Burbox Coach Development this is an online and now in-person seminar course which is CrossFit Preferred and is aimed at improving coaches by examining the psychological side of coaching um, and how people are helped uh, you can use the code pods for a discount on burboxcoachdevelopment.com Today's guest is Matt Torres. Uh, Matt is a coach with Brute Strength um, and works with the likes of James Ragg, Dallin Pepper, um, Emma Carey, Fisa Gaffey, Jason Carroll, uh, loads more as well. We chat about the rise of the teenage athlete, the plans to bring them all to Florida to work together and go all in, and the coaching beliefs that got Matt to where he is today and will hopefully push him and his athletes even further. Enjoy, listen, share and tag. Thanks for doing this first of all. I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, so you're heading for, for Texas tomorrow for Rogue. So that's going to date the episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's exciting. Um, you, is it, uh, Naples in Florida? Is that where you're based? Yeah. Yeah. Naples, Florida on the Southwest side of the state. Not Naples in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the coffee scene like there? Are you a big coffee drinker? Or is there a, is there a big, um, is there lots of coffee shops around? Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's a ton of coffee shops around here. Uh, there's uh, there's one or two of them that I probably visit regularly. Uh, you know, the athletes that come down if they're coffee drinkers will definitely go into those uh, those shops for sure for some meetings that we have. One of them is Narrative Coffee, which is maybe about five ten minutes away from the gym, and then the other one is uh, Fit and Fuel, which is a coffee shop and a bike shop mixed into one. Okay. So it'll be, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of meeting places. I already told my, my athletes, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them have a desire to program for other athletes. Um, so we'll use our off day to just meet up for an hour a week and talk about some of my methodologies of programming. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that? Like, do you mind when an athlete comes to you and says, oh, I'm going to coach other people? Are you like, that's my customer base that you're, you're yeah. taking from? You know, I really don't mind it at all. And here's my theory behind it is, you know, if anyone ever asks me about programming or business or anything in general, you know, the, the answers are all on the internet. You know, they're all right there for anyone. Anyone can get them. You may have to pay sometimes mm. to get them, but the answers are there. But here's the thing is like, I know what I'm good at. Um, and I know how much time I put into this developing my craft. Uh, and I know that I can do it better than most, you know? So if people are interested in knowing, and here's the thing is a lot of the things that I program and the way that I program, the way that I write workouts, uh, you know, a lot of them, they're in theory. You know, it's like this should work, but sometimes it does not work, you know. And so if a coach, if a coach just follows the book all of the time, 
you know, it's really, it's quite boring for athletes to do day in and day out. So a lot of things that I do is like, you know, if I got to get my athlete from point A to point B, coaches, there's coaches all over the world that can do that. You know, that's what we're, we're you know, what we're, what we should be doing. But the really good ones do it at a faster rate or the really good ones uh, are able to come up with the recipe to get you there because not all of them can do that there in the amount of time you'd expect them to yeah um so you know i and again like i I like healthy competition anyway and you know if anyone ever wanted to pick my brain on how i do things if they're if they ever wanted to i have no problem sharing with them it's fine um i was curious so you you had a a brief dip into podcasts um yourself um was that that was based around north naples was it that that hey coach yeah exactly so what it was it was more it was based around north naples um for north naples kind of yeah Yeah. the gym so the thought of it was to do it for the gym um it was something for the members to uh, take advantage of if they ever wanted to think about like the deeper side of of coaching the deeper side of fitness and health and uh, everything related to it. Um, and then, so that actually came from my first gym that I opened. And then as of recently, the, um, uh, this year I left that gym and I was, and now I'm full time in my current gym CrossFit Naples. So, um, yeah, that was a little, a little shift that I made this past year. So you own, did you own two gyms at the same time? Yeah, you know, that was the game plan. Um, you know, I um, I just like, I like tinkering with things. I like I like the struggle of things. Um, I like trying to learn and pick up new things. Um, you know, forcing my brain to figure things out is something that kind of keeps me interested with things. And so, you know, I have my own personal goals when it comes to business and when it comes to running gyms. And um, that was the goal was to have multiple gyms um but you know it wasn't it's not the same goal as um both business partners and so we just thought it'd be best if you know we just split and i did my own thing and you know we both travel at our own different paces and um i think it was a very healthy decision for both of us for me and my old business partner and so you know i bought i bought this gym while 50 50 in another gym and uh, now I'm 100% in this one, and I still have the same opportunity to grow as many gyms as I want mm. to, you know, in the future. Um, why, uh, why did you choose podcasting for to like in order to I suppose like reach your members, like as opposed to say a blog or video, like little YouTube videos or something like that? Yeah. So you know, with the podcast, the what I was wanting to get out of the podcast was um, it's like all encompassing of fitness, whether it was, you know, the health side of it, as I mentioned, and the business side of it. And how, how can you take like a different approach to, to this thought? So, you know, if you think specifically uh, business terms, um, how is the fitness industry related to, let's say the coffee industry, right? How's the fitness industry related to um, the hairstyle uh, industry. And so we had these, um, you know, these certain uh, entrepreneurs inside of our gym that I kind of wanted to bring them into the mix and, you know, interview them, um, get them on on board 
to kind of take, um, you know, a different approach of how can these things be applied? Are there any parallels between fitness that we do on the, you know, on an hourly or on a daily basis mm-hmm. for an hour that we can apply into the business sense? Um, you know, and a lot of it, I really do believe that a lot of my, um, my mental side of things, um, you know, the elasticity of my mental game comes from what I've picked up when I was playing sport throughout my entire life. And then it even compounded even more through CrossFit, you know, cause it's, it's one thing to be humbled every day and it almost allows you to face adversity in real life at a more manageable rate. You know, it's, if I'm struggling through a workout that's 20 minutes long and, you know, things are just hitting the fan and it's not going the way I want it to go. You know, when things happen like that in real life, it allows you to kind of, you know, feel like, man, I, I feel like this is going to be okay. You know, I pretty much feel like I suck every day when I work out anyway. So if I'm feeling like that today, you know, I get out of that, I can get out of this. Um, so. You mentioned there before we started recording and it actually seems you've a degree in, in broadcasting and cinematic arts with a, a kicker in journalism. So... I suppose it's probably not the background you expect yeah, for a coach. Like, did you did you have plans to do something totally different then? Yeah, you know, um, at Central Michigan, we have a pretty good uh, broadcasting um, sector of uh, of studies over there. And you know, I love sport. I, mean, I love competition. You know, in sport, it can be it could be darts, it could be you know golf. Uh, you know, it could be cards, it could be anything. Um, you know, that's that's part of what drove me to practice so much in football. It's part of what drove me so much to get better in as a coach right now. Is you know, I don't want to just be middle grade. I don't I don't just want to be you know the middle of the road. I want to be the best. Um, and so when I was going through. Uh, the broadcasting thing, uh, you know, I really thought that I was going to see myself on ESPN, you know, talking sports all day, every day, uh, talking to breaking down players, um, you know, analyzing teams, analyzing, you know, techniques and, you know, mental side of things. And what I quickly came to find out is, um, you know, it is a road that's doable, but it wasn't one that I was uh, ready to undertake, you know, um, it just wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. Um, so second step was, you know, I know a lot about being inside of the gym and I love being inside of the gym. And at that point in time, I didn't really know that, um, what I truly enjoy is helping people. And I didn't know that coaching was going to be my avenue to do so. Um, and so just by simply sticking to what I love to do, I found, you know, I love to be in the gym and I found that helping people really uh, fills my cup. Um, and then, you know, find a way to support your life. And all of a sudden we're here today. And did you, um, was it football you played in college then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where did you play? Uh, so I played at Central Michigan. And what, like um, what position? Oh, I was a, I was a wide receiver. So I, I was mostly slot. Um, slot is where you, you know, t- now I, I have researched this 
So and I say I yeah, say, man, I say researched. I asked one of my friends who really likes American football, uh, D. So he he told me. Um, so slot is where you don't run for the ball; you run with the ball. So like you use your pace and power to make people miss tackles, basically, as opposed to running past everyone and catching the ball. Yeah, uh, you're really close to it. So um, running back is what you're describing. Oh, okay. Considering uh, I've never watched now, American football, <laughs> this, it's yeah, not a bad no, honestly, description. You were really close to it. Uh, a, slot, a slot receiver is a better name for it. Uh, it just means you're off the ball the majority of the okay. time, which allows you to move in motion and potentially take a handoff, right? So you're kind of there yeah. anyway. It uh, allows you to take a handoff if you want to, but because you're set off the line um, and you're usually playing closer to the O-lineman, you're usually being guarded by a linebacker or a safety, right? And linebackers are usually bigger guys, faster, um, and the safeties are smaller and faster than the linebacker. But you have distance between them, so you have more time to make yeah. a move and get around them. Okay. Um, I'm just uh, – I think James Townsend was a wide right, a right receiver as well, wasn't he? So there, there's another uh, – additional parallel to the Mallory and Emma comparisons that are probably inevitably going to come that their two coaches play the same position um when uh when did you first get into CrossFit then so I'm presuming after college was it yeah so it was after my last season of college so it was right around like 2011 I just remember messing around with some uh some workouts online that I would see you know I came back home I had a friend that asked me to go try out a CrossFit gym locally here in Naples um you know tried the class like any other story it got destroyed and really enjoyed it um so i brought it back up with me to the uh to my football team and mostly all the other seniors on the football team that you know they're like no this is too much this you know we we enjoy moving fast and taking six to eight seconds and you know at a time like what a normal football play would take and then going into like a minute rest and then repeating um but you know I've again, like I have, a, I have a knack of just being in the weight room. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, strategizing, being uncomfortable, um, trying to learn and get better. Um, you know, so that was that was that. And then as I moved back down, it's by 2013 I opened up the first gym. And then, so were you? Uh, when did you join Brute Strength then? All right. So with Brute, um, Nick Fowler was the one that recruited me over to Brute. Um, that was, I want to say, like three years ago, maybe a little over three years now. Um, Is you did I did I read know, that the, you interned or something or that you did like a like an apprenticeship mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yeah. So uh, Nick had his company um, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and he Nick was actually my coach when I was trying to be competitive with okay. CrossFit. And what ended up happening is I was like, you know, I was like why why do you program this like why not program that and how come you do this and why won't you do that and he was like hold on like am i going to be your coach or am i going to mentor you because if i'm going to mentor you uh you're going to have to start by reading this book first to answer all these like questions that i shouldn't be wasting my time with right now uh and so that's what i did i just started reading these books and then from there um you know he was guiding me on how he was programming for me um and then from there I took a certification through Training Think Tank. So Training Think Tank is where I met Nick Fowler and Max Alhaj. 
um, you know, both of them were rolling through training think tank together. Um, and at that time, I believe that they were actually located in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I, Nick took me on as an athlete. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of natural, you know, training think tank certification. Uh, I thought it was a very good, I should, yeah, I, certification, I think is an appropriate word for it. Um, you know, I thought it was really good. And then I just really started with the basics. Like, it's okay to feel as if you don't know what the hell you're doing. You just have to keep going. You can't stop when you feel like that. Um, you know, and there's a, there's a term for it now that you hear quite a bit with imposter yeah. syndrome, um, where it's like, you kind of have that feeling like you're like, man, I know this is, this is going to work, but I just don't fully, I can't really wrap my brain around it so far. Um, and you just got to lean into that feeling a little bit more and just say to yourself, Hey, if I just trust it, like, this is the same stuff that people have been using for decades. It's like, like tra uh, training think tank and CrossFit and all this stuff. This isn't new stuff like this has been going on for many 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 years uh it's just a different way of applying the things so you know went through that um and then two years as a coach with nick's company after year two nick was like hey you know i am the strength and conditioning you know head coach at um brute strength come on board and let's open up the one-on-one -on -one program together and that was pretty much like I don't even know, three years ago now, maybe to 2017, maybe. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of how that, that all began. And you mentioned there that, that you were, you, you met him as, as an athlete. When, when did this transition uh, from athlete to coach? Like, was there a moment where you were like, okay, screw this. Like it's, it's not going to happen. Or yeah. like, was, was there a, a crystallizing moment for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was funny is I actually had this conversation with Nick where I was like, you know, thank you. I was like, uh, Nick, man, I'm super stressed. Like I got to focus on work and I want to be better at this. And I have to also put in like three to four hours of training a day. It's like, how do I, how do I do all this? I'm like, and I'm like, I'm struggling. Like it's, it was something that I was like, a lot of athletes are faced with this the last like four or five years right up to today we're starting to see a new breed of athletes coming through um but it was just that again it's something that these athletes had to struggle with as well and nick was like just find a way <laughs> like that doesn't help me at all so if you can give me a more direct answer and he was like why can't you <laughs> i go all right i'm gonna figure this one out and then another like month or two of stressing out over it, i'll go all right nick look um, I'm going to just decide to go all in on this coach thing. Um, you know, I'm, I was like 25 at that time, I think maybe 26. Um, and I really like, you know, I was, I, was, I get really inspired by other people that do the same thing as I do, because it makes it feel like it could, like it's possible, you know? And one person that I was really inspired by was Ben Bergeron, you know, I saw his growth from when I was following CompTrain way back in the day to, you know, the time that he started uh, coaching Katrin. And I was like, dude, like he owns a gym just like I did. Uh, he writes program just like I do. He's coaching Katrin. I can coach someone like Katrin too. Like this is definitely doable. 
you know? And so that's what inspires me. So if I see stuff like that happening, I know like, okay, I see that like all in, I'm going all in and I want to be, you know, I want to be mentioned when you say Bergeron, I want to hear Torres, you know what I mean? Like I want to, that's the, that's the level is where we're trying to get to. And like, so you mentioned there that, uh, you owned a gym and that you, you were, uh, taken on with brute and then started a new kind of uh branch of brute i suppose with the one-on-one um what was it like in the early days of balancing say owning a gym and coaching and then doing remote coaching and launching launching a new branch of a business like it can't have been easy to balance all that regardless of what your aspirations were Mm -hmm. yeah you know here's the crazy part is um you know nick nick introduced this term to me of uh knowing your bandwidth and early on, you'll push the limits on your bandwidth. You know, you'll take on clients that, you know, you'll give them a discount, you know, because you want to have more clients. Um, you'll Your faucet will be completely open. And it's just like, give me more, give me more, give me more. And what ended up happening is this, again, this is a very natural thing. When you first start programming, you know, one one athlete takes a while to program for you know, especially like, I have an issue with wanting perfection out of myself. So it takes a, lo- a little bit longer than I think most. Um, and so I go from one to five and I'm like, oh, Nick, man, I am really struggling, dude. I don't I don't know how I'm going to get time to do anything. And then by the next year, I'm at 15 and the next year I'm at 25. And before you know it, it's like two years in and I'm sitting just below 40 athletes. And And I would look back and I'd be like, how was I struggling so hard with five, you know? And I started finding this, like this formula that I wanted to be in a constant place of discomfort. Cause I figured that I was trying, I was finding new ways to get things done at a faster rate. Um, and obviously just, you know, doing things long enough, you start to pick up on things at a much quicker rate anyway. Uh, but I always wanted to be uncomfortable. And if I wasn't uncomfortable, I felt like I was complacent. If I felt like I was complacent, then I really started to stress out. And then you reach a point where you're like, okay, um, what am I, what am I trying to do? You know, am I just trying to, you know, make a living and, you know, have 40, 50, 60 clients to program for cause, and have my gym on the side. Cause I can make a really good living by that. Um, or, Am I losing sight of what I really, truly wanted when I started coaching? And that was to be the best. And if I'm going to do that, you start to figure out that we're in a day and age. It doesn't matter the level of athlete that you pick up. Everyone is a human and they went and they want the same um, energy and time from you. And that's, I get it. Like, that's just where we're at today. Um, but it, as you can imagine, if I have an athlete that, uh, just starting CrossFit and wants um, programming to learn how to do a kipping pull-up or to learn how to do a proper clean, how much energy that takes in comparison to my athlete that is at this point in time like a regional games athlete, like a bubble athlete, that like, man, it would mean the world to me to make them get into the games. And so I'm putting a lot of energy. So then I had to decide like, okay. So I I would tell Nick, I'm like, all right, Nick, look, um, I'm going to start to take away some of these athletes here. So as they start to leave, naturally it happens. Like I'm going to just 
no more athletes to me. And if I'm getting any athletes, I'm getting the best. You know, like I've, at this point in time, I took a couple athletes to regionals. I took, you know, a handful of teenagers to the games. I brought, um, you know, uh, three, four, five different individual athletes to the games as well at this time um, as my teens were getting older and older. And, uh, and he was like, all right, fine. We get you. you like, and I told him, I said, I want top tens. That's all I want. You know, someone that is potentially needs a coach or is leaving a coach and is looking for a new coach or, you know, a different journey. And so naturally I went from 40 and I shot that thing back down to 20. (laughs) Um, And as we make the shift into the next stage of coaching for, for me and where, where I see coaching for, um, you know, people that want to do high competitive elite level athletes is bringing them to wherever you live or bring them all together and having a training camp year round. You've, you've taken it like a, a, a ton of athletes to the upper levels, um, of the sport, you know, like Jason Carroll all the way. Most recently I suppose to Emma and then, you know, Dallin and James at semifinals last year and a host of other athletes developed along the way. And I suppose a lot of your athletes are quite young. And I was curious, like, is that, a, is that a conscious thing on your part to take on, like teenage athletes that don't have like maybe bad habits or is it, did it just kind of, did the cars just fall that way? I guess. Yeah. But you know what, how it ended up happening? Cause I really didn't know in the beginning, I didn't know at first that teens was going to be the route that uh, I should head into. <clears throat> Cause I really thought it was like, you know, with Jason Carroll, I got Jason a little bit after I, um, I was with Dallin you know, um, and there there are some similarities and there are a lot of differences as well. And here's a major difference between a teenager and like, let's say someone above the age of like 25, um, responsibility, like 1000% responsibility, right? So five years ago, um, you know, these athletes were not really getting any compensation at all. You know, they go to a competition, they win 700 bucks and it's like, they've paid, you know, a grand to get there, you know? Um, Now we're starting to see some major sponsorships roll through. Um, You know, these athletes don't have to worry about having another job. All they need to worry about is being the best in the world at their, at their sport. Um, So responsibility was a major thing. And I understood that it's like, and that, that conversation with those athletes was like, okay, we got to make it to the games and then we got to place inside that top 15. We got to get you, you know, these sponsorships. And it just so happened to that year that they started the cuts, which was kind of funky. But anyway, um, now that's one thing. And then the other thing with teenagers, responsibility, they go to high school, they come home and they train. They train before class. They come home, train again, and they do homework. And that's it. It, At that point in time, they're not even having to cook their own dinners. They don't even have to situate their own meals. That is a really good thing when it comes to responsibility. And then what you mentioned as well is, yes, you know, when you get teenagers that all they know is CrossFit, that's a much different uh, mindset because it comes with zero to no bad habits. You know, it's like, you get a master's athlete and I had a ton of math and I still have a couple left, but I had a ton of master's athletes that, you know, when my teens were at the games, you know, one year, I think I had like 12 athletes at the games I was coaching and it was just, you know, my head was going to explode, but master's athletes, 
you know, the habits that they've created. And now, like, I really do not take on master's athletes. Um, it's very difficult to tell someone, you know, above age, you know, 40, 45, and they're trying to make it. They're like, you know, I'm about to get into the next age group and I'm going to be on this, you know, the short side of the age group. I'm going to be 44 or I'm going to be, you know, uh, 40. And it's like, they put all this pressure on themselves. And I'm like, look, if you really want to get your first ring muscle up, we're going to be doing a lot of technique work of the ring muscle up. So you're going to be taking what feels like three or four steps back for, you know, for the majority of the year. Um, and some will believe it and enjoy the process and others will be like, no, I have to do more training or I have to do this. It's like, I know my body. I have to do that. It's like, all right, fair enough. Look, then maybe this is not going to work. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, naturally I fell into the, to the teen thing. Um, you know, they're like, it's like putty or water. I think it would be a better thing to say, you know, you know how, uh, what's his name? Bruce Lee says, you know, be water. That's how teens are, you know, and you, you'll see it like when you go to the CrossFit Games, you go to a competition that has teens in it, you walk into the teenage division, and this is how it was. You can't tell if they have a weightlifting background, if they have a gymnastics background, if they have a, uh, you know, um, an endurance background. They're really good at everything. And then you go on to the individual side, and you're starting to see less of this now. But you can see some uh, – you can see more discrepancies in movements you can see where, uh, you know, people really struggle a lot um, in their technique and in their form. Um, and so it's like they're, they're completely two different um, training and thought processes. Um, yeah, so it's now, I mean, now it's like, you know, I have these teens. My thought at this time was let me make them the best teens in the world. And then as we started getting closer to 17 and 18 years old, it was like, okay, let me work this transition now. You know, let's see if I can really get these teams to start to, you know, get this locomotive rolling and how quickly can I catch them up to speed to be competitive with, you know, these already amazing athletes that are in the individual uh, division. Yeah, I was going to ask because, like, say, Dallin James and Emma all aged out recently um, and then, like, this year they all pushed for semifinals and beyond. Like, obviously there's physical demands there of you know you need to be stronger and because like you know the the men lift bigger weights than the teenagers do the girls lift bigger weights than the teenagers do but like the the mental side and like i'm i'm focusing i suppose really on like say someone who would say like dallin who's so dominant in both the in the age groups when he's moving up and then suddenly finds himself at like you know towards the back of the pack um and similar with Emma, where there's 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 a possibility of a of a an awkward transition, I suppose, or like maybe like a, a feeling of a missed year or whatever. Which to an outsider, when you look at it, you'd be like, well, of course you're going to struggle in your first year. But like when you're so used to being so highly competitive, it can't be easy. So like, do you do you forewarn them that like you know this is going to be shit for a while, like or this is going to be hard, or do, do you try to use the confidence that they've built as teens to to push them forward? Yeah. Uh, I try to face them with reality as quickly as possible. You know, um, I don't, it's, I have a, I don't really sugarcoat things a lot. Um, what I do is I'll change their focus in a different direction, right? So it's a little more realistic approach. And you're right, I do. Uh, you know, the moment, I still remember the, all the conversations I had with 
uh, with Dallin, with James, um, with Tudor when he was with me. Um, you know, it's like, all right, fellas, this is the next step. Um, and so this next step of the process is going to potentially take two years just to, just to taste what it could potentially feel like to be at the games, not even be at the game. Um, you know, and what we're going to avoid were the people, the teenagers that came before you. Right. And, you know, we can sit here and name names, but we all know the teens that were at the top, you know, five in the teenage division that we don't hear their names anymore. You know, um, we do not want to be them. Don't feel like we need to change anything. Uh, we're on a really, really good track. You know, we don't have to press at all, right? It's not, we don't have to play a full court press. Um, you know, we're not, we're still 17 and 18 years old. And these guys have been doing it for a while and they're really good at the age of like 24 to like 29. Um, and that's the, that's the thing that I had the conversation with. And you know what I will say is we really lucked out with, um, with what happened this past year that put a pause on everything. Cause I think it helped with that process of being like, okay, look, there's no competition. So what I, what do I really have to work for? You know, let me just put my head down and keep practicing. I think it'll be a little bit different competition. I mean, a little bit different thought process with these teenage boys that are coming out now. Um, and, you know, the reason why I focus a lot on the teenage boys on that response is the girls just seem to get it going a little bit quicker. Um, and I don't, I don't, we don't really know why, but, you know, it's with, with Emma and with Mal and you see, you know, Emma Lawson, you see even now, um, uh, what's his name's athlete, um, the 15 year old, I think, whatever, I forget what her name is, Kirk oh, yeah, yeah, Olivia, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're improving at a very fast rate and they're, they're more prepared now. Um, so, you know, I'm not quite sure what it is, but with Emma, um, you know, it's, it's been an incredible ride with her so far. We knew, we knew where her strengths were already. So if we could just put the majority of the focus into one area throughout the season, um, and pick that up as quickly as we can, then uh, then we yeah. get the result that we got last year. Um, so you work with uh, Jason and, and Fee as well, and then the teenage athletes. And I was curious, like, the difference in working with those athletes at different points in their career, I suppose. I'm thinking of Fee trying to make it back to the games and then Jason recovering from injury after a couple of years in Niggles. And then the teenagers who you mentioned are, are like putty or like water. Like, is it, it like, do you coach the different athletes in the same way like you mentioned that the pro the um i guess like the methodologies haven't changed it's just how they're applied and does that does that transfer into like people of different stages in their career as well oh for sure so um so if we look at someone like fee um she's an aerobic machine um you know i really did i don't even think she has the ability to create lactic acid you know, because she can be at 80 to 90 percent and just like be there, be uncomfortable and just push through. Um, so for her, we have to develop a lot of power, a lot of speed, a lot of explosiveness. Um, you know, if you saw where her 
finishes were throughout 2021 and 2020 uh, or 2019, I should say, even, um, you know, strength was a major uh, hole that she really, she really wanted to improve upon, um, but, you know, wasn't able to quite piece it together. And so her major focus is based upon currently right now um, developing power and speed. Um, and then with, you know, like anyone with, uh, these other, like Jason, um, he actually, believe it or not, you know, since we're talking about fee, he has more similar characteristics to fee than, uh, any, anyone else does. Um, but his thing was, you know, anytime we were working on strength, his knee would start to act up a little bit. Um, you know, and so we knew that this was something that needed to happen. And so now it's, we can start to build that foundational strength right now. And so we have, you know, six more months, I think, until the open comes around uh, to really put in the work on that strength. And, you know, again, you know how Jason is, he's a machine. It's like, if we can, if we can throw some, some more, uh, strength onto that machine i think he'll do really well do you get do you get um, pissed off when you see him uh on his bmx going over jumps and stuff I can't. <laughs> yeah well you know i mean he knows how i feel about it um yeah honestly the pissed off isn't really the right term it's more so afraid yeah you know it's like the, the effort and the time that we put in um you know but if it's if it's what balances his life out then by doing the biking, it allows his balance of life and energy to be better to improve his training, right? So if we took the biking away and he wasn't, you know, he kind of felt like empty or he kind of felt like he's missing out on something, would he get the same results? You know, and that's that's part of the thought process is, you know, it's, it's something where I'll tell you what, I bet his... Um, his quad endurance is going to be pretty damn good from, from biking. Um, you know, so hopefully things like, you know, wall balls, thrusters, you know, improve, but you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I spoke to him about where it's like, you know, I just take it easy. And then I see him doing like just sending it over like 10, 15 feet up in the air. Like, all right, maybe that is, maybe that is him. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah whatever whatever is meant to be yeah, will yeah. be you know it's like if he was meant to you know make it to the games and he'll stay on that bike and he will not crash <laughs> but if he wasn't meant to make it to the games then it, he'll crash you know so um i interviewed emma recently and, and you mentioned it there at the start as well that uh she has plans to move to florida and i know james is uh, planning something similar is it essentially a hub for those teenage athletes to train together and to train together consistently i suppose is that the idea mm. you know it's not so much trained together i wanted to keep the team together um but not necessarily trained together so the plan the the purpose behind it is um being able to coach them in person and be able to being able to give them much quicker feedback and uh making changes on the fly i mean Look, I can I can try my best to write down a workout to get an intended an intended adaptation from that workout, uh, but sometimes it doesn't come out the way I expect it to. Yeah. You know, 
um, you know, I read, I read their results. And I'm like, damn, like that wasn't anything what I was expecting. Like that's, they're moving way too slow or, you know, the volume was just a little too high on this one, or, you know, they crashed and burned a little too much on that one, or they didn't really prepare themselves too well for that one. And so if I'm reading that and I'm making a, an adjustment the following week, it's like, I have to wait an entire week to get that done. But now I have them in person. And if it ain't going the way it's supposed to, then I can make that quick adjustment right there, make the change, and we're going to make that adaptation at a much faster rate. Um, now, as far as the competition side of it goes, is the way the uh, the training is built out, each athlete still has their own individualized program. Within that individualized program, there are certain characteristics that they may end up doing somewhat or sometimes the same exact thing. You know, for example, um, if uh, Dallin is working on front squat strength and trying to build up his one rep max and Emma is doing the same thing, there's a high possibility that they could have, you know, somewhat of the same things. Um, so they could potentially be training together that day. As far as the competition side of it goes, I'm very um, picky with when I want them to compete, right? It is, you know, it sounds simple because coming from like a CrossFit gym inside of group fitness, it's like, yeah, I compete all the time. It's, it's fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's because it's you're not going into work and feeling everyday pressure of competing with someone because you could potentially, um, you know, mentally collapse, right? And so if you're putting that on these athletes day in and day out of you're competing, you're competing, you're competing, and these athletes that are meant to be the top in the world are feeling as if they're losing, it's like, you know, what am I doing to their, their thought process? So... Um, you know, a major piece of it is guys, you know, you're coming in here, uh, we're going to compete for sure on Friday, right? We have, we have, uh, brute has a, um, like a brute, brutal Friday that I like my athletes to do. And they, and I put them on, I put that on their, uh, programming anyway, every Friday as it is. Um, and so they, they already have like a running text that go in between each other. Um, and so we'll still do that here, but you know, the competition side of it is not really the main aspect and the goal of it all, um, you know, because I'll tell you what, <clears throat> here's here's my thought on the competition side of it. Let's say I have, let's just call it a 2K row. <clears throat> and everyone of my athletes are well-versed enough and smart enough to know their pace, the approach, when they got to put the pedal down, when they got to, uh, you know, go fast, slow down, speed up, the technique, the pressure, um, the mental side of it, I can blindfold all of them and line them on a rower together and tell them to go. And then, or I can take the blindfold off and tell them to go. Nothing's going to change. They're not going to get out of their, um, their game plan because someone else next to them is rowing or someone else next to them is rowing. And if you, you can take that same thing on the, uh, on everything else. And the reason why I bring that up is like, you know, competition. Yeah. But really all they're going to do is they're going to figure out what it feels like to lose, you know, uh, or they see what it feels like to win. But these athletes know each other so well that if there's this workout, they're like, all right, this will probably be 
you know, Emma, then James, then Dallin. If it's that workout, I'll be like Dallin, then Emma, then James. And if it's that workout, then it's going to be, you know, in any order. So it's not, it's not mm. something that they're already aware of already. Emma mentioned some some shifts in mindset, I suppose, uh, between the Granite Games and, and the CrossFit Games this year, where she kind of had a realization where grunt work and grit wasn't always going to be enough, like where, you know, maybe nuances required and quick thinking rather than just like stubbornness, I suppose. Um. I suppose most most uh, coaches want their athletes to become somewhat self sufficient and, uh, you know, own their own process and become aware of what they need to do themselves. But like, how often do you intercede when it comes to say the mental aspects of the sport? Like, how how do you broach the topic of, okay, that didn't work, um, without sounding like overly critical and and like maybe damaging their ego or damaging their you know their their view of themselves. For sure. So the more you're with your athlete, the more you'll have. Uh, better plan and better strategy and better uh, dialogue between them for their mental game. <clears throat> that was my first time with Emma at an individual, you know, competition, a professional competition. And so there was dialogue in there, but it was, we're both kind of learning yeah. at the same time what her limitations are. And, um, and again, this is something that if you're in with them as a coach, you can pick up on these things at a much quicker rate. Um, and so, you know, the struggles we knew, and it's something that I would say is <clears throat> I want you to face adversity this weekend. And you will, whether you want to or not. Um, but it's not about what comes at you, but it's going to be about how quickly you can um, adjust, right? How quickly you can make changes uh, and learn from them. And so when it comes to you know someone like emma and going into competition it's like okay this is the game plan this is what we're going to go for and you know as she mentioned before in other podcasts is you know it's okay to not stick to the same strategy the whole way through because sometimes it is not going to work um you, know, you hope that you can but sometimes it won't work and it's not the best thing to go about doing it and so that's one major thing that we learn in the granite of many 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 others like you know, if I could just share with you the breakdown of the Granite Games and the breakdown of the CrossFit Games from Emma, it could be a short novel. Um, but again, it's just one of many reasons why uh, she is what she is right now. Um, she just is a it's like a completely different athlete. And it, she does things that athletes would be like, that's way too much time. That's way too much energy. Well, she does that naturally. You know, it's just how she thinks. It's how she does things. Um, but, uh, you know, we we had a lot of things that we had to work on from the Granite Games that we fixed going into um, the CrossFit Games mentally and physically. Um, and it paid off. And, you know, the one that I think a lot of people will kind of have a comparison is that last event at Granite Games with the dumbbell overhead walking lunge. Um, and then the overhead walking lunge of the final event at the CrossFit Games. Um, you know, and everyone is like, oh, she's probably, she's gotten stronger. She's gotten stronger. Yeah, she's gotten stronger a little bit. You don't get stronger significantly in a matter of a month between the Granite Games and CrossFit Games. What she did is she got smarter, right? When she put that barbell down at the CrossFit Games, she didn't care where Katrin was behind her. Um, you know, when Katrin dropped her barbell, though, she's like, okay. I can feel she's there. Am I ready yet? 
not I got to get going and I'm not even going to consider if I'm ready or not. And so she asked the question, am I ready yet? And the moment she she answered that question, she said, yeah, she walked it all the way through to the finish. And at the Granite Games, she was pressing a lot. And it was she wasn't listening to her body. Everything was just kind of a blur. Things were just moving really, really quick. And she was like, I got to go. Like, I don't, there's no other options. I have to go. Um, and so that was a time where she had a major, um, um, you know, a, a big positive change to the mental strategy of things as opposed to just, you know, only the strength side of things. Um, pe- people love uh, stories and sports and broadcasters love stories because it gets fans going because, you know, you get buy-in. Um, and one likely story that we're probably going to see uh, for the foreseeable future is Emma and Mal um, for the next, well, I suppose they both have like potentially 20 years in the sport, which is fucking terrifying. Um, is that something that uh, you think athletes need to get used to now, like comparisons and predictions and storytelling and like it's all over, you know, like there's assholes like me on podcasts that are predicting who's going to win the games and, you know, there's stories on Morning Chalk Up and all over Instagram and, you know, is that something that you think that, you prepare them for or do you hope that just themselves as people are ready for it yeah you know as much as i would say that i would like to avoid it i think it's something that naturally it's going to happen between anyone um you know what james and mallory do together it's incredible you know james is a a phenomenal coach and mallory is an an awesome athlete um and they're going to have a lot of success in what they do together um, you know, I can't stop another athlete from looking up another athlete's score. You know, it's just going to happen. Um, and again, you're, you're spot on. It's like, I love that side of the sport. It's like, man, that side of it, the shit talking side of it, it just fires me to like no end. And I can remember being in football practice and football games. And like, that was such an integral part of the sport was getting underneath the other person's skin and watching them mess up. You know, put your focus here and let me do what I need to do. And that was my whole reason to to talk shit about another person uh, on the field in front of them. It wasn't it wasn't to do it to make them feel terrible or anything. It was like if this is going to pull you off your game, I'm going to keep pushing it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going because ultimately. I, what I'm saying, what I'm doing is not too – like I'm not getting caught up in the talking of the game. So I can see why me feeling like that, why it's such a cool part of the fan experience to be like, you know, Mallory and Emma, they're going up against each other. And it's like – and honestly, like these two girls have complete respect for one another in the background. Uh, they don't talk shit about one another. Um, you know, they congratulate one another in the back. Um, you know, they've been going up against each other for quite some time now. You know, when I see James, it's the same type of respect for one another, you know, but if that's what gets the fans going, that's awesome because we need more fans because if we get more fans, there's a higher likelihood that, you know, CrossFit could sign a big media deal. And if we sign a big media deal, then there's a higher likelihood that these athletes can retire and not have to do anything else. So it's like, I love it. You know, I I want more. I want more of it, Um, you know, and hopefully more of that gets developed and and it keeps the the sport fun. Um, you know, I like that aspect of sport and it's a great, it's a great part of it. It's the mind games. And, you know, if, if that's the way the, that media, you know, wants to take the direction of it, so choose and so be it, do it. 
you know, that's how it goes. Um, I I spoke to Sam Briggs recently, and the the young athletes came up um, in the conversation. She mentioned how it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how the demands of the sport uh, play out on younger bodies because they're the, f- the first crop really who basically exclusively train CrossFit from and compete in CrossFit from an early age rather than dipping in and out or moving over from another sport or starting a little later in life. Um, are, are, like, are you assuming that it'll see people achieve things that maybe five years ago wouldn't have been imaginable in CrossFit or do you think that the sport itself is kind of reaching or approaching like an upper limit of what is possible already? I don't think so. I really don't think it, it is. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think as we start to see athletes do, um, <clears throat> you know, things that were unimaginable, it gives people the ability to see that it's possible. You know, it's only impossible until someone does it. And I forget the dude's name that ran the first four minute sub four minute mile, um, but it's that guy. It's the, it's like that effect. I think it's what it's named after. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be athletes out there that are going to shock Emma and Mal. You know, they're going to be like, "What? What is going? On? Like, what? What? How did? How? You know, how are they beating my records? You know, like when they're long retired." Um, you know, and they're the ones that pave the road. You know, uh, Tia is the one that's paving the road right now for the ladies. And before Tia, it was Katrin. And before Katrin, it was Annie. And like in these, and all of them, you know, I'm not taking yeah, away yeah. from Katrin and Annie because all of them, they're still doing it. Um, but they're making it possible for these younger ladies to see, like, all right, I can definitely do that. Like, I could 100% do that. So, you know, it's such a young sport. Like, I don't even, I don't know how old now, like 15 or something. Um, you know, t- like think about track when that first started. You know, people were doing things that were like, oh, this will never be broken. And it's like, we're looking at it now. I'm like, world records are still being broken. Like, I don't know, you know, it's still happening. So, you know, I think the sport will continue to progress in that direction. Um. Okay, well, look, we'll, we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, so they're all, they're all either or. Um, assault bike or burpees? Uh, assault bike. Uh, rope climbs or handstand walks? Handstand walk. Uh, deadlift or squat? Squat. Uh, bench or pull-ups? Pull-ups. Ski or row? Row. Uh, nanos or mechons? Mechon. <laughs> um cool look uh matt thanks again for coming on uh it's been great i feel i feel like we've kind of barely scratched the surface to be honest because i feel like there, there's uh deep waters we could go into on a lot of those topics um so yeah look thanks uh and best of luck with uh rogue um and whatever else comes in the off season dubai and everything else and and with the open and everything for all your athletes next year i think it's exciting seeing so many young people coming into the sport and as you say getting ready to just obliterate records that we kind of thought maybe we're just going to be set in stone forever yeah man i'm excited for it i think it's gonna be a really great year and i'm excited for the sport to be more consistent on the the competitions that are around and for these athletes to really take advantage of that you know we're we're in it for the athletes you know i'm not as much as i want to say i want to be the best in the world at what i do it's like 
I truly do want to see my athletes succeed because if they succeed, then I succeed and it'll be, it'll be great. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy for the direction that this sport's going and I'm excited for this year to, to come down.